0: Welcome to the show. This is episode number 101 of Pop Culturally Deprived, and today we're going to be talking about the Nightmare Before Christmas on your What's This podcast. I'm Andy Kay.
1: And I'm Matthew Vose.
0: This week, we are joined by friend of the pod and amazing knitter, Lauren Housley. Lauren and I met through the Chipperish Discord server, discovered we live near one another, and now frequent game nights together. I'm so glad to finally have you on the show.
2: I'm glad to be here. It was uh, it was something we talked about early, and I've been looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, we've been talking about doing this for, gosh, close to a year, but then you decided you really wanted to do this movie, and so we had to wait until Christmas.
2: This is, like, my favorite one that was on the list, well, <laughs> that was that you hadn't already done. So.
1: Well, I mean, we didn't have to wait until Christmas.
2: Right. We'll get
1: into that in a bit. Um,
2: <laughs> well,
0: we did. We'll talk about why when we get there. So, uh,
1: Lauren, you and I were completely aligned about Farscape. We gushed over it mm-hmm. on, on many text messages and different things. Can you tell me why you love this film, please?
2: Oh, I just, everything about, I mean, it shouldn't be very surprising that I love stop motion and and weird looking stuff. (laughs) Considering I love Farscape and I love the Dark Crystal and I, you know, all of that has been, uh, you know, I I was fascinated by Gumby as a kid. The Rudolph Christmas special is my favorite Christmas special. Like anything that looks weird, I'm kind of there for. Uh, But then this is actually something that I came to a bit late because when I first saw it, I was, like, nine, and I was scared of Oogie Boogie. Okay. <laughs> like, mm. you know, I was going through that. When this movie came out, I was, like, in that phase where kids do lots of stuff about, you know, you sort of, like, learn to get scared. Like, you know, scary stories to tell in the dark books and things like that. But at the same time, I was kind of scared of it because I was a big wuss. Yeah. So <laughs> I actually came back to it, like, either in late in college or early, late in high school, early in college, something like that. And, uh. Like, the music is so enchanting, and I love the way it looks, and I love the characters, and now it's, like, one of my favorite things. This was, like, the first soundtrack that I... Or the first album that I purchased on iTunes. Okay. You know. Nice. That, that
1: is not the reaction I expected you to have to the giant creature made of bugs.
2: Well, you know what? It It's not the bugs. The bugs is not what scares okay. me. I've never been scared of bugs. Well. <laughs> I'm an entomologist. That's <laughs> maybe be said. <laughs> um, uh, it was like The Menace, I think. Uh, okay. And and more like the shadowy part than when he's actually there in his like potato sack book self. Okay.
1: This is the third time I've seen it, I think. Um, I, also, I came to it very, very late. I first saw it in 2004, sometime around then. So it had been out a long time. Obviously being into sort of goth and rock culture, I was very, very aware of it. So I just bought it on DVD. I was like, this is going to be a film I love because it's dead in the culture that I like. Um, and then I watched it and had a bit of a disappointed reaction to it. I expected more for various reasons. And then I saw it again at the cinema because they reissued it in 3D. And it was really good. Like, seeing it in 3D, where it's got your whole attention, it really worked. It was really good. I, I enjoyed that. But um, seeing it again on-, on TV for this time, it's like, yeah, okay, it's okay. So I'm afraid we're not mm. quite as aligned <laughs> as we were on Fast <laughs>
2: Well, nothing's as perfect as Fast
1: No, absolutely. <laughs> um, so, Mandy... It's a film that's got Christmas in it, it's got nice music, it's a good musical, it's after you were born. I I can't come up with any of the usual reasons. (laughs) I mean, it's a bit kind of grey, but it's not black and white. Why have you never seen The
0: Nightmare Before Christmas? Um, Well, for starters, I had no idea it was a musical. Okay. So that didn't even factor into it. I honestly didn't know what the movie was about. My only kind of experience was that it had this weird Halloween aesthetic. And i never really been a fan of Halloween, so it just never really intrigued me. And I guess I don't think I'm really a big fan of stop motion. I mean, that's really all I can come up with. Okay.
1: So, yeah, not a big fan of Halloween. Is that like it just delays Christmas? <laughs> can we not just get rid of Halloween <laughs> and have that Christmas creep into July and June?
0: <laughs> no, no. Okay, saying I'm not a fan of Halloween is probably the wrong way to put it. It's just we never did Halloween growing up, and we talked about right. that a little yeah. bit in our Hocus Pocus oh. episode. Um, I never went trick-or-treating. We didn't do costumes or creepy crawlies, and spiders are the worst thing in the world. And they're very Halloweenish, or at least around Halloween. Sorry, Lauren. I know you like spiders.
2: <laughs> Actually, spiders are not insects. Um, I don't mind I spiders, but they're not something that I study, so I don't know a ton about them.
0: That's good, because I don't like them. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I mean, I really just don't have a great reason for this one. It's just based on what little bit I knew about it just from, like, seeing advertisements. Like, I'm not even sure I'd ever seen the trailer. I mean, since I didn't know it was a musical. Mm-hmm. So it just didn't seem interesting to me is really all I've got. Okay. I know that's not helpful, is well, you've it? you've seen it now. <laughs> Everybody. I have seen it now. So, The Nightmare Before Christmas is, as Wikipedia puts it, a 1993 American stop-motion animated musical dark fantasy Halloween Christmas film that was produced and conceived by Tim Burton, which is the biggest mouthful to try and say ever. Danny Elfman also wrote the songs and score. It began as a three-page poem that Tim Burton wrote while he was still working as an animator at Walt Disney Feature Animation. Disney considered developing it as either a short film or 30-minute TV special, but the project stalled and Burton left the studio in 1984 and went on to begin his directing career. In the early 90s, Burton realized that Disney still owned the film rights, and he pursued a full-length film with Henry Selleck as the director. Production began in July 1991, and Disney ultimately released the film through Touchstone Pictures because it may have been too dark and scary for kids, but it was reissued on the Walt Disney Pictures label in 2006. It was the first animated film to be nominated for an Academy Award for Best Visual Effects, and with a budget of only $18 million, it has earned more than $75 million worldwide. And if you, like me, do not know what this is about, according to IMDb, Jack Skellington, Pumpkin King of Halloween Town, discovers Christmas Town, but his attempts to bring Christmas to his home causes confusion.
1: That is yeah. pretty on point. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. been a while,
2: I think, but yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lauren, do you own this? Since you like this movie so much? Uh,
2: no, actually, I sort of went through. I, mean, like, I have the soundtrack and um, I i don't know I just never got around to buying it like I think I never wanted to purchase it when it was not available for streaming because it's usually right, okay. on one of the services at Christmas or at Halloween or mm-hmm. you know around when I would have wanted to buy it is about when streaming started to be a thing right. and it's right, always yeah. been around so I've never purchased it because but I have the soundtrack which has Patrick Stewart narrating and not whoever it is in mm. film
0: Okay so you now that's interesting to me
2: yeah, I have no idea why. It's very strange. But it's, <laughs> honestly, he's better than the guy in the film.
1: Yeah, he, he recorded it for the original. It just got cut for mm. for reasons.
0: <laughs> I had no idea. That did not come up in any of the things that I looked at.
2: You know, I didn't look up why. I assumed that they just like couldn't use the original narration for some reason. I didn't realize he would have recorded it originally. Huh. Interesting.
0: Uh, well, speaking of this being on streaming here in the States, it is available on Hulu right now. I don't know if it's available year-round, but it is definitely there now, which is how I think we both watched it.
2: Yeah, it's definitely been around since, like, October at least. Right. I don't know, I yeah.
0: And I'm willing to bet, Matthew, that this one is available on Sky Cinema in the it, UK. It is indeed.
1: It's on the Sky Cinema Christmas channel. Uh, neither of the other main streaming services have it, so... Okay. I don't have the DVD that I bought of it anymore. <laughs> that was a watch and put it on the Donate the Charity Pile. <laughs>
0: oh, Okay.
1: So, Mandy, you mentioned Tim Burton up top uh, as the creator of this. It, it uh, Sometimes you find that it surprises people that he didn't direct it. Mm-hmm. The experience of Tim Burton, I don't think we've covered him on the show yet.
0: We haven't. We did cover him on um, Southern Fried Pop Culture, mm. oddly enough. Um, I have not seen as much Tim Burton as I thought I would have. Um, I looked at his list, and the the list for me is Beetlejuice, Edward Scissorhands, Batman Returns, Big Fish, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and Sweeney Todd. Hmm. I super thought there would be more on that list. I think his aesthetic is just so unique and so specific to Tim Burton that you just think that you know him. Because, I mean, you can look at something and say, oh, Tim Burton did that. Hmm. So I guess that's really my experience.
1: He is my... Sixth most-watched director, according to Letterboxd. Just just after Quentin Tarantino and before Martin Scorsese on 10 films.
0: Oh, wow. Mm. Okay.
1: Yeah. (laughs) We didn't mention the other actors in this. So there is obviously a pretty good voice cast. Uh, Chris Sarandon playing the the speaking voice of Jack Skellington. Um, Best known, I think, as uh, Prince Humperdinck from Princess Bride.
0: Okay.
2: Yeah,
1: uh, and we have a couple of key uh, Christmas actors in this. We have Catherine O'Hara as Sally, uh, the mom from yes. Home Alone, yep. and we have William Hickey as the doctor, who of course was Uncle Lewis in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. I like to believe oh. they were cast because of the Christmas link.
0: That's interesting. And then Catherine O'Hara goes on to do Beetlejuice.
2: Mm. Well, Tim Burton likes to do that. He likes to reuse people. Mm.
0: Yeah, yeah, interesting. I did not look up the cast because I was just like, this is a Tim Burton movie. Tim Burton's the only one that matters. <laughs> Apparently, I don't know. I, I think wrong. Danny
2: Elfman matters.
0: Danny Elfman does matter. He did do the singing voice for Jack Skellington. Yeah. I did see that. Um, I looked up, because I'm very familiar with his name, and so I looked up his discogra- discography to see how, like, if there was anything that I could pinpoint that, oh, yeah, I knew that was Danny Elfman. And he's just done the score for so many movies that none of them really stand out to me as being, like, signature Danny Elfman. Like, you hear something and you know John Williams did it. And I'm just not there with Danny Elfman, so. Uh, Hmm.
2: I think Danny Elfman has a very specific sound when he's working with Tim Burton. Like, it's very easy to pinpoint the three movies where they don't work together. (laughs) Okay. But. When I looked up the other stuff that he'd done, I was like, well, yeah, I liked the music in that. But it didn't, stand, it didn't jump out to me as being Danny Elfman. Like, I think he's more of a chameleon. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think, so, last night, uh, when I was talking to, to my husband about this, we he had a friend that brought up that there's a short film that Elfman did with his brother that was, like, the first thing that he scored. And the opening song of that, the musical relationship between that and This Is Halloween, is jumps out at you when you listen to it. It's called The Forbidden Zone. It's on YouTube. It's very weird okay (laughs) we watched about half of it last night and i was like this is just very strange okay but i think he does have a sound and i think he's most himself when he's working with burton
0: okay interesting
1: yeah looking at his other films he did avengers age of ultron and he did justice league and Mm -hmm. i would not have put him down for them he did good hunting Mm -hmm. weird um okay there's not a huge amount like this except for like you say other tim burton stuff Mm -hmm. Uh, is there anything that you thought was similar that we can compare this to
0: I did get some Grinch vibes from watching it. Yeah. Um and I did make a note, so if you read my notes, I had one note about how um Jack Skellington super reminded me of the gentleman from Buffy. <laughs> just like in one scene. In, in the one scene where he is cutting open the teddy bear. Like just the way that his fingers go and the way that, I don't know, it just mm. it looked very much like and those, those the gentleman like delicate, in hush. Long yeah. fingers. Yes. Yeah. Um, other than that, yeah, I think just Tim Burton stuff is like all Tim Burton stuff. And there's not much else out there that's super similar.
1: Yeah, if they were going to do this in live action, it would be Doug Jones, wouldn't it? So,
0: Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, I mean, I think
2: you could talk about Henry Selick's other stuff. You know, he did that James and the Giant Peach adaptation. He did Coraline. Mm. Um, you know, we shouldn't discount the director, even though he was making a concerted effort to look like Tim Burton. Coraline
0: was also Tim Burton too, wasn't it?
2: I think he's a producer. I don't think mm-hmm. he... Di- he didn't direct it, did he? He didn't direct know. it.
1: Uh, written by Neil Gaiman.
0: Yes. yes. Sorry. I've not seen Coraline yet, I don't think. I think I've seen bits and pieces.
1: Okay, Mandy, did you enjoy The Nightmare Before Christmas?
0: Oh, I am so very sorry to say that I did not really enjoy it. <laughs> oh, I, I I hate it when we have somebody on who loves it so much, and that's my reaction. I ended up feeling kind of like this movie was all flash and no substance I think if the focus had been the story I would have absolutely loved it I really love the original poem that Tim Burton wrote but I felt like this movie was just about the cool animation and the like gothic aesthetic and it it didn't focus enough on the story it was trying to tell and so I I got lost in it
1: when you say lost I assume not in that you couldn't follow the story
0: right I, I, I guess I I mean the story got lost right
1: Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, the, yep. the visual style is absolutely about it. And I think that's, like I say, I, I knew a lot about what this film looked like before actually seeing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it appears to be the same to this day. I mean, th- this is the film that Hot Topic built its brand on, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this and Nirvana. Um, but even like looking it up on Amazon, the streaming film, the, the streaming video was the fourth entry on Amazon and the DVD was the 18th. And all the rest was, like, (laughs) Nightmare Before Christmas, board games, and gloves, and folders, and pencil cases. (laughs) Right, right.
0: Yeah, I know Torrid, um, which is owned by the same parent company that owns Hot Topic, they have an entire section devoted to Nightmare Before Christmas apparel and accessories. (laughs) It's just, it's a thing. Mm, Absolutely. Like, I don't even think you have to have watched the movie to enjoy the aesthetic of the characters and the setting. Mm.
2: I ended up looking at all the cards in the Munchkin edition of Nightmare <laughs> <laughs> at, a, at, a, at a game store near here. So I was like, I didn't even know this was a thing. And I walked in there. I had just watched the movie the first time that I watched to prepare for this. And I was like, oh, look at all these cards. <laughs> <laughs> you know, And they have they had some expanded it a little bit to use some of the other holidays. But for the most part, it was just about making cool drawings and having a die that looks like Oogie Boogie's dice right. in the box. Right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and I think the other thing... The- Certainly that first time disappointed me a little bit is, like, it's called The Nightmare Before Christmas. I was expecting a bit of a riff on The Night Before Christmas, but they're just using that as a cool title. And then the story, Twas the Night Before Christmas, doesn't come into it, and I'm always a little disappointed. I'm like, oh, there's an interesting opportunity there.
0: (laughs) If you read the original poem, though, there is a riff on it. Mm -hmm. Um, Not the 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 original, thing, but he definitely... Tim Burton thing. The the original poem that Tim Burton wrote that inspired this does have a bit of the poem the nightmare before christmas specifically the rhyming scheme but he does actually pull some of the the language okay. directly from it. See, I like
2: that. The meter is a little different though, which really threw me off. <laughs> <laughs> and I think also when when Jack is flying around like the real world, like there are some visuals that are mm. at least they very much match my my book that was the night before christmas that I had right. when I was a kid. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So speaking of holidays, this movie has a very specific set of holidays that it believes exist in the world. And I I like the way Lauren, that you have described it (laughs) because it's not holidays that (laughs) exist in the world.
2: (laughs) Yeah. This is, this is not the holidays of the world. This is the secular American holiday forest. Yeah. Yes,
0: absolutely. (laughs) is. is.
2: It's it's Valentine's day, St. Patrick's day, Easter, the 4th of July. Which you can only see in the opening. Halloween, Christmas, and the chicken tree.
0: Yes, the, I called it a chicken. chicken I didn't
2: know what it was. Which I don't know why it didn't occur to me that
0: it was a turkey and not a chicken. In my notes, I'm like, why is there a chicken tree? What holiday goes with a chicken? I even went so far as to Google chicken holiday and discovered that there is a fast food chain restaurant called Chicken Holiday somewhere in the United States. Amazing. But it did not occur to me that it was Thanksgiving until I was talking to Joseph about it and we looked it up again because I wanted to find a picture of it to say, look, it's a chicken. And in all of the screen grabs, I was like, oh, that is so clearly a turkey. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah, I will never live down the chicken tree. I understand that.
2: That, that I just like when I looked at your notes, I just started laughing. (laughs) What? Chicken tree.
0: It was the chicken tree. (laughs)
2: But it's not just that the, um, you know, those are the only holidays. I think that's also very clearly only valuing American and non-religious things about those holidays. Mm -hmm. Like, there's no suggestion of Jesus in either Christmas or Easter. There's no suggestion of All Saints Day and Halloween. There's no, like, I mean, we don't go to the other holidays, but one presumes that they'd be similar. But Mm -hmm. some of those holidays do have, you know, family togetherness, generosity type or fun and, you know, mischief type values that are non-religious, mm. or at least I think they can be.
1: It's mm-hmm. it's a very child's view of the holidays. Mm-hmm. Like you say, no, none of the deeper meanings. It's what are the basic things you think of growing up about them, which does speak to this being a Disney film and aimed at a younger audience. But
2: What do you find in the holiday aisle at the grocery store?
1: Uh, yeah, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs>
2: I like
0: how you have described Santa Claus in our notes. Um, <laughs> Santa Claus invented by Coca-Cola, or at least made popular by yeah. Coca-Cola. And then yeah. um, you said a cross between a Dr. Seuss character and something out of the Rankin-Bass Christmas specials.
2: I think mm-hmm. that's pretty spot on. Yeah, I mean, it's that's, that's Santa Claus in, in America, mm. right? Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, and even uh, like watching it as a Brit, there's no... Uh, Like cross-culture even to other Western countries. Like you say, it's got things like Thanksgiving, which always takes me about like, okay, yeah, I guess. But also, (laughs) maybe, maybe not. Yeah,
0: (laughs) It's okay. It's a chicken. It's not Thanksgiving. We just need to make up a chicken holiday. (laughs) We'll bring the chicken holiday to the UK. It's fine. (laughs)
2: Well, like we've brought Halloween to everybody else, Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> Nobody loves Halloween of this particular aesthetic like Americans do. <laughs> All right,
0: so let's just get into it and, and talk about the question that everybody talks about whenever we talk about this movie. Is The Nightmare Before Christmas a Halloween film or a Christmas one? And, you know, we're releasing this episode on Christmas Day, so... It feels like we've kind of already decided it's a Christmas film, even though I think it's really more of a Halloween one. So I, I did ask on Twitter and Facebook this question, because this is the question that you have to ask. And generally, we got all three possible answers. Some people said it's both. Um, Garrett and Sarah both said it was both. But I think the best explanation of both Um, came from Melissa at Step Into My Kitchen. She said, in my experience, people who love this movie start watching it and talking about it in October, then keep all their related decorations out until New Year's. For them, it's not just a holiday, it's a season. She followed up with, I watched it when it came out, but I have no real strong feelings for it. And I think that's kind of sort of where I'm falling on the spectrum here. Um, and then we got some interesting answers from the Moffetts. Um, Jan and Paul Moffat are married, and Jan says Halloween. Paul says it's Christmas. They even have their own podcast that talks about movies, and they did this one last year, and they have an episode called Agree to Disagree about this movie. <laughs> um, I'm going to put the link to that in the show notes. I haven't listened to it yet, but I'm looking forward to it now that I've
2: seen the movie.
1: The, the podcast is called Way Too Seriously, I think.
2: I actually re-listened to it this morning mm. to see if they had mentioned everything that I didn't remember, <laughs> because I listened to it last mm. year, too, and I yeah. I'm, I'm pretty much agree with Paul, and I have very similar ideas to Paul about the movie. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so if I have to answer this, I do agree that it's kind of both. I, I just, I do. But if you're going to make me pick one, like if my life depended on it and I had to pick one, I'm going to say Halloween. And I can explain why. I found this amazing blog post um, from a woman named Valerie McLean. She has a blog called Paper Patches, and she does a series of blog posts called Breaking Genre about movies that break genre. And she breaks down all of these movies by looking at who, what, wh- who, what where, why, and how, and answering those questions, whether they fall, which genre they fall into. And so she broke this movie down, and Halloween came out on top with all of these answers and for me that's enough for it to be a halloween movie um because who who is in this movie who are the main characters in this movie it's the citizens of halloween town yes santa claus is there but by and large the characters skew very heavily halloween what is this movie about it is about jack's quest to take over christmas so that's a point for christmas where does it take place? It takes place in Halloween Town, even though the time period is Christmas, which often is enough to make a movie a Christmas movie. Let's talk about Die Hard. That's why we say it's a Christmas <laughs> movie, you know, but the main conflict and plot is centered around Halloween Town here. The movie would not be the same if Halloween Town wasn't there. Why does this movie exist or what what is happening in this movie? it's jack's internal struggle that he's trying to overcome which skews towards christmas because generally that's what christmas movies are about and how is this movie really has this gothic aesthetic to it 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 doesn't look like any christmas movie we've ever seen it it definitely when you look at this movie you just think halloween it's dark it's creepy it's a little bit crawly when you're looking at oogie boogie you know um, and so when you when you break it down like that, you get three for Halloween and two for Christmas, which is really, really close, which is why I kind of say it's both. But if I have to pick one, it has to be Halloween.
2: See, I think that this is a story about a guy having a midlife crisis who gets restored to himself thanks to an authentic Christmas experience. Mm-hmm. And that's the plot of It's a Wonderful Life. You're not wrong about that. <laughs> you know... So uh so I I too went and looked on the internet to <laughs> to support my Christmas theory. No, so I found the the post that I really liked was from tor.com by a guy named Max Gladstone and he talked about you know what makes a christmas movie what makes a halloween movie and the suggestion he made for halloween was that it's a story that's a question about identity mm-hmm. taking on a new identity and affirming your old identity which this is definitely fits that bill. But it's also about what a christmas movie is about is about coming back together and you know, the community being stronger for that. And it's also a movie about that because Jack comes back and Jack sort of makes Hall- Halloween is better for having experienced Christmas. So I could support both. Mm-hmm. But I think Christmas, mostly because of my, my first point, but also I think um, you can look at which holiday could you remove and still have a story.
0: Okay. so So basically you think that the Easter Bunny could have gone through the same crisis and been restored through Christmas, but Jack couldn't have tried to take over the Easter Bunny and still get the same experience that he got by taking over Christmas.
2: I don't think it would work as well. Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm open to arguments, but I don't. I think for me, I come down on the side of Christmas being the less stellable part of the story mm. than Halloween. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, I mean, it is, it is really close, and I think that either of those films would be very difficult to make as good as this, mm-hmm. you know, make as much sense as this because Halloween and Christmas are so oppositional in, like, right. the aesthetic and the ideas and all of that. Like, this is clearly the best pair. Uh, also, because mm-hmm. if you're in secular American holiday forest, this is the best way that they are. You know, these are the two holidays that people probably feel the strongest about in terms of how right. they're celebrated and how you decorate and what you do on the day
1: poor chicken holiday so.
2: <laughs> maybe chicken holiday
0: <laughs> But oh god i'm never going to live that down
2: <sighs> and that's the holiday we're closest to right now did you just did you just like completely sublimate thanksgiving and your desire to put your christmas tree up in the middle of november
0: that's the thing i i think so yeah well i i i didn't have a traditional thanksgiving this year uh so I think Thanksgiving just went away in my head, and I mean I did wait until after Thanksgiving to put my outside decorations up. So give me some credit, okay? <laughs> hey? A little bit. Yeah, I think um, Lauren, I read the the article that you posted, and I really like his conclusion, which is more for the both side of, of right, the, right. the argument. He said, The Nightmare Before Christmas endures, I think, because it's about the operation, not the celebration of holidays. It's a movie about the function and value and power of Halloween and Christmas both. There are even notes of Easter in the Kidnapped Bunny. The film invites us to stretch our holidays beyond their limits to let Halloween and Christmas chat and eye one another warily. Plus, the music's great. Uh-huh. So I kind of feel like that answer, and Melissa's answer of "it's not about a holiday, it's about a season," you know. I think really that's the answer. It's just people like to be so binary and pick one or the other.
2: That's that's very true, and I I could get I can definitely get behind both. Okay, you know, sort of like you saying if you have to pick one, it's Halloween. If I have to pick one, it's Christmas. But yeah. I could I can agree on both.
0: All right, I, I I like it. I
1: really like that idea, Lauren, of what if you change the seasons. And I think mm-hmm. this is where it comes down to the way it's written to stop this being so conclusive. Because the easiest thing is, what if you swapped them? What if this was Sandy Claus is very bored because Christmas is the same every year um, and it's feeling down in the dumps and he sees Jack Skellington and he's like, that looks amazing. I want to do that. <laughs> and I think if you do it that way round, you have to write it that it's a Christmas film. It's about finding your place in the world and having a good spirit and enjoying where you are.
2: That's very true. But I
1: think I think you would end up writing it more that way than this is necessarily written because it's not about I mean, this is a film certainly for the first half about depression and about the mania that comes with something new and trying to distract yourself from a world where you can't talk to anyone and you can't sort of be yourself. But then his learning experience is not, oh, actually, I do fit in here. Actually, it's really good. It's I've got ideas. And if you're going to shoot me out of the sky, boy, am I going to come for you? It's not a learning experience in I'm going to grow or I'm going to accept my place or accept who I really am that I've been fighting against. Maybe.
2: I don't know. I think it's, I think it's kind of both. I don't think he's maliciously coming after them with Halloween because he doesn't, if he, if he didn't care about them, he wouldn't care about setting it right and getting Santa Claus back where he belongs. Mm, that's true. You know, it's like, he's like, I'm going to give it all my might. <laughs> I hope there's still time to set things right. Yeah. Like those things actually rhyme. Mm. So they're, a re- it's a related concept. Mm. You know, those are like two opposed li- two lines that are right next to each other in the song.
1: Yeah. So so as an idea, I think it comes a bit more towards Christmas, but it's written in such a way that it's not definitive. And I, and I think for me, this is where uh, ste- stepping out of the the idea of the debate about it, it, it comes down to how you describe a film or a Christmas film, whether you describe it as a style or a genre. So you could describe it as mm. the uh the genre like if you talk about romance as a genre you've got an idea it's going to be about two or more people in a relationship or dealing with a relationship in some way or a gangster as a genre you've got a bit of an idea of what the story is going to do but the aesthetic could be anything whereas if you use it as a style a, a gangster film as a style you've got an idea of what it's going to look like but you'd use it more as a comedy or a fantasy and it gives you some idea of what's coming it depends on when someone says to you A Christmas film, if you're expecting that to mean, oh, it's going to be a story, it's going to be about understanding goodness and the spirit of the season and giving and, you know, accepting and being good to your fellow man, that kind of thing. Or if it's, hey, it's about shopping and putting up lights and snow and it being very dark and cold most of the time for the northern hemisphere in the west. (laughs) Um, And I did a poll a couple of weeks ago and apparently 85% of people think it's about the aesthetics and the style. That's what defines a Christmas film. Hmm. So yeah. I think if that's what you're looking for as a Christmas film, I think this is a Christmas film because it's set at Christmas. It's got the Christmas ath- aesthetic, but the story, uh, your mileage may vary whether it's a Christmas story or not.
2: Well, I mean, I think I think that Jack is also just putting a very Halloween spin on the idea of serving your fellow man, right? Because his <laughs> job is to be Halloween. So when he gets back to yeah. being Halloween, that is serving his fellow man. It's just not the Christmas version of serving his fellow man, which he's proven that he's super bad at.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think part of it for me was everything that he tried to do for Christmas turned into a Halloween thing. Mm -hmm. You know, like he he tried to cut out a paper snowflake and it was a spider. Mm -hmm. You know, everything that he did just kind of, no matter how hard he tried, it reverted to Halloween themed. And I think that's part of where I'm seeing more of a Halloween movie. Mm. But it just, it all... It is what it is it is a Halloween Christmas movie <laughs> absolutely like <laughs> as as Wikipedia put it it is this huge genre of a movie
1: and, and I think it's important that he can't do Christmas it ends up coming out Halloween because without some of those moments it's actually that the people around him because they haven't seen Christmas they don't understand Christmas they're only seeing it through their mm-hmm. ha- Halloween colored kind of lenses right mm-hmm. Uh, it goes wrong in that way, so it's other people defeating Jack, almost. But mm-hmm. it's the fact that he cannot do that. His, his place in society and in the world and what he has to do is Halloween things.
2: You know, you're right, you're right. It's not like he's making perfect Christmas and everyone else is messing it up. He's also messing it up. Mm. He's
1: mm-hmm. just
2: kind of blind to the fact, you know, you're, I just love the visual of him, like, when he decides that he's going to do Christmas, he, he pulls the garland and undecorates his tree and then plugs the lights into an electric chair. Right. <laughs> like like Jack, this is called foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> like we don't need Sally's vision to know this is going to go totally wrong.
0: Nah. Mm. Speaking of Sally, I did not understand Okay, so I I just don't understand the point of Sally in in the movie as a whole, but I did not understand that that was a vision that she had until she said that to Jack. Mm. It was very unclear to me what was happening. It was just confusing. Am I alone in that? Or have you guys just seen it so much that you just know that it was a vision and so that's just what it is?
2: Mm. I remember being confused by it when I watched it when I I first saw it. Okay.
0: Because here's what I thought. Because she pulls the weed, the weed turns into a Christmas tree, and then the Christmas tree burns Mm. up. And then there's nothing left. And so we had just gone through this big montage of Jack trying to do all of these Christmas things. And the Christmas things were turning into Halloween things. And so I thought she was sitting out there kind of longing for Jack. And all of a sudden, this Halloween thing turns into a Christmas thing because Jack's Christmas spirit is overflowing. Hmm. And then it burns up. And it just it didn't make sense. And then she had to explicitly say hey jack i had this vision and things are going to go wrong for it to be clear that it was a vision it's i don't know i didn't like it but i i don't like the character of sally at all so
2: see i think i knew she was looking for some kind of like prophecy about jack because she pulls it i mean it's dead so it's hard to tell but i think it's a daisy you know so she's ready to do like he loves me he loves me not right Mm -hmm. and then instead it turns into this burning christmas tree um i mean maybe i'm seeing more there than there is but i always thought that was what she was like why she was pulling the the daisy
1: i think i'm always a little disappointed by that point because it's almost like one season is infecting another and i think Mm -hmm. probably a more modern story that's the way they'd go about merging things and one they cannot exist in this way this kind of thing right but then it ends up it's just oh it's a vision okay Back to it. But I think that's because it it almost seems like every realm is going to have its kind of leader. Its kind of spiritual person. Mm -hmm. Jack Skellington and Sandy Claws and Easter Bunny and so on.
2: The Easter Bunny doesn't seem to talk, though, which is strange.
0: Mm. Yeah, no, he was like a real bunny. It, It was weird.
2: Like, why doesn't the Easter Bunny talk? And if the Easter Bunny doesn't talk, does that mean that he's a minion of whoever's the king of Easter Town? Maybe. Which I can't even imagine what that would be if it wasn't, like... A crazy Jesus? (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I feel like it has to be the Easter Bunny, but then why doesn't he talk? Reasons? Maybe it's just him laying chocolate eggs by himself. Maybe.
1: I mean, it's a bit strange that it's Jack Skellington in charge of Halloween Town. Because there's no one single thing for um, Halloween as as an identity, in the same way we have Father Christmas. But they call him the Pumpkin King, but he's not actually got anything to do with pumpkins. No. And I think he is supposed to be a skeleton, but also he's got the suit, so you don't entirely see it. And then it's clearly it's yeah. like a monarchy because you have him and you have the mayor.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm an elected official. I can't make decisions by myself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I was really confused about what Jack was for a while. I did I couldn't tell if he was uh, a pump if he was made out of pumpkin, if like if his head was a pumpkin, or if it was bone because he wasn't shaped like a skull. Mm. It was kinda of round, like pumpkin would be but then they said his last name, which was Skellington, and I was like oh, okay, he really is yeah. supposed to be bones. And then the moment that that clinched it for me was when he pulled his own rib bone out and threw it for zero yeah. to catch. <laughs> like, yep, okay, he's a skeleton. With a crunch.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, since I am dead, I can take off my head to recite Shakespeare. You know, he's doing a last poor mm. York with his own skull. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which suggests that it's a skull.
0: True, true, Right, yes, yes.
2: Apparently Disney really wanted him to have eyes, and they fought really hard against it.
0: Mm,
1: that would have been creepy.
2: Interesting.
0: That that would have been way creepier, I think.
2: Uh, yeah, I don't, I mean, the empty sockets is a little creepy, especially when the lighting shines so that you can actually see, see the, the back depth of, it. of them.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but him and Oogie Boogie both have that happen. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know if the eyes would have been, that would have been a lot more mock-up heads, too, to make that many eye motions as he would have had to have.
1: True, <laughs> true. He still does a moat. He's got that kind of Deadpool mask thing.
2: Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, the 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 <laughs> ocular sockets go up <laughs> yeah, and down and right. squint and open wide, and his mouth goes all the way to his ears. I guess actually kind of like a jawbone would. Yeah. You know, there's more yeah. opening there if you don't have flesh. <laughs> I like when Zero brings back his jaw and puts it on after they crash. <laughs>
0: Okay, I'm actually really surprised at the lack of response from either of you when I said I don't like Sally.
2: I mean, I love Sally, but I know that a lot of people don't buy the romance. I actually do. Mm -hmm. But I think if you don't buy that, you don't care about her.
0: Okay. Yeah, no, I super don't buy the romance, and I just don't understand. (sighs) I think... It's I think it's honestly it's not just Sally, it's all of the subplots that are happening that were added in. Um like the original poem only had Jack Zero and Santa Claus. There were no other characters. Mm-hmm. And so all of these other subplots that they threw in to make this a full-length feature just aren't fleshed out enough for me and it like I spent the entire first half of the movie trying to understand who Sally was. Who is this duck-billed creepy guy in a wheelchair who's owns her apparently you know so there, there was all this stuff going on that, that just didn't have to do with jack's quest for christmas and then they have like five words to each other over the whole movie and then they're kissing at the end
2: but a lot of it is unspoken because like she brings him the basket and he's and he's like oh that's wonderful thank you so much and he sees that it's her it's not like it's a mystery mm-hmm. right and he leans out to say something to her and then she's gone And when she's help when he gets her to help him make the Santa Claus suit, he says like you're the smartest one, you're the only one that can do this. I trust you.
0: And then he doesn't listen to
2: her, but you know he should have. And then she's the one that helps Santa Claus, so like she's she's there to be someone that's intelligent enough to not just do whatever Jack says. Mm -hmm. You know, someone to push back on him. And I don't know the the dynamic between her and Dr. Finkelstein was very apparent to me, but maybe you're not as familiar with Frankenstein stories.
0: No, I don't think I am.
2: Um, because sort of like that, that push-pull creator created is present in the original story, but not in quite the same context because the monster is much bigger and stronger mm-hmm. in the original Frankenstein. But, you know, that, that like he wants to control her or he wants he like, you know, he basically made her to be his like partner slash, I don't know, it's kind of gross. Mm-hmm. But he can't help her, be he can't make her stop being independent. Mm-hmm. And independent Sally wants something else. Right. And also she's the only other one in Halloween Town that isn't happy. Everyone else is very content. So that, that is that absolutely true. That makes her true. interesting enough for to be attractive to Jack.
0: Okay. I can buy all of that. It's but just... I also think they
2: kind of added her because they needed a romance plot.
0: Right. Yeah.
2: I mean I I I think that that having decided to do that which maybe wasn't necessary, I like the way that they did it because I like that it's not the whole focus, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I agree that they didn't necessarily need that in the first place.
1: Yeah, and we we will talk again about romance being not totally necessary in films, but something that's always added.
2: Mm-hmm. I always
1: thought the thing with the suit was because she was so good at sewing, because she puts herself back together all the time.
2: Right. I mean, that's definitely part okay. of it. But he's like no one else. He specifically says like no one else is clever enough. Mm, true. Yeah. To yeah. do this, like I mean, he's definitely saying you have a talent hmm. and you're good at this. You know, he's not. He's he recognizes that she is an interesting mm. person.
1: Yeah, I don't think I I had ever put that together.
2: Hmm. Well, because I started thinking about it, right? Because when I was little, I just saw the, I saw the plot. I was like, oh, isn't that sweet? You know, because I was like nine or ten. And then, when I watched it again when I was older, I was like, this doesn't really make any sense. But then, the more that I've watched it, the more I've actually come back around to really liking it. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a cycle.
1: <laughs> it depends how you're feeling at the time.
2: Yeah. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I like, I mean, she sends him like the, I like, really, it's like the stuff like sending him the basket and the other, like the conversation that they have. Um, especially when, when they rescue Santa Claus and he's like, man, you were right the whole time. And then they get interrupted. So like they don't get to have the moment then, hmm. which might have been better. And then I noticed when I watched it last night, she gives the mayor such a look <laughs> when he interrupts them. She's like, did you really just do that to me? <laughs> But I, but I understand if you if you think that the movie could do without a romance plot. Like I don't think that that's as important as the other the other parts. Definitely.
0: I think I don't mind the romance plot being there. I just wish it had been done better. I I think that's really what I I feel about it. I just don't think it was done well, and so it either needed to be done really well or not there at all. Hmm. That's all.
2: Not done well because you don't see why they like each other.
0: I just don't think it was fleshed out enough. It was. I mean yes you you have gone through all of the subtle hints that were leading up to it, but they were v- too subtle for me, apparently <laughs> um and so I guess I just I needed a little bit more um to buy into it, and i I just didn't that's all mm-hmm. so can we talk about how a whole song about kidnapping and killing Santa Claus possibly traumatized a generation of children? I mean, I'm sure it didn't actually, but it was really dark. Uh-huh.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> is is that why it's important? It's not Santa Claus. This is a sort of abs- abstracted <laughs> thing, and it's done in a Halloween way. Because mm-hmm. I, th- I mean,
2: Sandy, yeah, Claus. they
1: they have very much the
2: Sandy Claus. They, they
1: set up that Halloween is gruesome and blood sucking and all this, but we don't really see them doing anything. It's it's a you know mm-hmm. very light like, again, very childish way of uh, what Halloween is actually about. They're more about a bit of frightening rather than um, actually doing damage. As mm-hmm. what well.
2: Except for Lock, Shock, Barrel, and Oogie what? Boogie. Like, those are the characters that are actually scary. Yeah. <laughs> are your trigger treaters <laughs> which they do a very traditional trick to Santa Claus, you know. Mm.
1: And Because they, they, they tell us that stuff has been done with, like, giving the award for most blood drained to the vampires and special mention to the leeches.
2: Mm-hmm. But, we, <laughs> but
1: we don't see that. It is just about, oh, isn't this thing scary and gruesome? It doesn't do anything. It's fine. So so I think they're, they're using the song in the same way. They can't show them particularly doing things. All this stuff about, you know, put him in a bag, beat him with a stick. Yeah. But in the end, they put him in a bag. Lock and, him up real yeah, tight. Yeah, and, and then put him in a cage.
0: It was convincing enough that I actually thought Oogie Boogie ate Santa Claus for a minute. <laughs> but he didn't.
2: Uh, there's a there's a whole verse that's cut from the movie of Oogie Boogie's song where he says mm. he's going to cook Santa into his snake and spider stew. <laughs> So that's nice. clearly like, when he's when he's ratcheting him up on that table, like you know, that's to dump him in the stew pot that's stirring there. Mm-hmm.
0: Right, right. Yeah. But then we get Buggy Man instead. That was creepy too. Like this movie had so many elements in it that are just really dark and really creepy and then we get a song about possibly murdering Santa Claus. But then we have Jack actually murder Oogie Boogie.
2: Actually no, Santa Claus kills him in the end. Santa Claus steps on... So, Oogie Boogie, the last bug, and he's like, my bugs, my bugs, because he's got the tiny voice by then, and Santa is the one who steps on him.
1: (laughs) And that's okay. Okay, so...
2: (laughs) Okay, I guess... Like, Jack did 90% of the work, and then Santa finished him off. Right. Okay, so most...
0: Oogie Boogie was mostly dead, since all of the bugs were dead except for that last one. Right. Right. Okay. Still, it was actual straight-up murder.
2: Yes, by Santa Claus, which is dark. By
0: Santa Claus. Yeah, okay. Yeah, super dark. <laughs> Interesting. All right. Well,
1: whilst we're on Oogie Boogie, as as Americans, does it mean anything that there's this sort of New Orleansian slant to him and the musicians outside, this kind of cooking the gumbo, the style of the music, the elements of gambling that are thrown in? is Is it just using different inspirations for the characters, or does it add an extra flavor to it?
2: I think it gives you the sense that it's different from, like, the Halloween.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah. He doesn't
2: quite fit in with secular Halloween Mm -hmm. because he comes from a different tradition. But I don't know. I mean, there's the whole question of is Oogie Boogie racist also.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, I firmly fall into the camp that it is not.
2: I mean, it's based on some stuff that maybe is a little bit. Like, he's really inspired by some of the old stuff. But it's also, that's, that's definitely a character that is part of Southern American folklore. Mm. Mm-hmm. Is that why you think it's not?
0: Maybe. It, it, I, I think this is one of those things where I just have a very strong feeling about something and I, I don't quite know how to articulate it. It didn't even occur to me that somebody would think this could be racist until I started reading about it mm. afterwards. And so I think that's really where it's coming from for me is Mm -hmm. like i watched it and he just seemed like a really convincing boogeyman Mm -hmm. you know he he's a monster he is the monster you know kids get told that the boogeyman is gonna get them you know um and, and so it was done really really convincingly and really really scary every even everybody in Halloween Town was scared of him like they they made him be this way and so it it didn't come across as anything other than what they were trying to make it be.
2: Mm-hmm. I read something about how they were aware of that possibility, mm-hmm. you know, when they were making the film. They, El- Denny Elfman was like, people might think this is racist. Right. Mm-hmm. But the, the actor apparently had no issue with it. And the yeah. act, the, the voice is a black mm-hmm. actor. I mean, of course, one black person doesn't speak for all black people. but Right. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I don't know. I think the Ogie represents a very different kind of halloween like he he definitely harkens back a little more to that like all saints you know things are going to come and get you and scare them away by being in your costume rather than the modern like go get candy Mm -hmm. like he's kind of a throwback
1: yeah i do like that as he's got this difference that does set him apart he's very got a a sort of voodoo vibe where everyone else is witches and vampires and mm, Mm -hmm. i like it Mm -hmm. yeah i hadn't thought of that
2: yeah, I mean, I don't feel like I know enough about it to have a firm conclusion, mm-hmm. whether it's racist or not at all, but I, I don't know, I found him frightening as a kid, and now I really like him, and I think that song is amazing, so, <laughs> and he's made of bugs, although most of them aren't real bugs. <laughs> like, I was trying to watch it last night, like, is that actually, can I identify that? There's I mean, some Beatles in there, but most of them are Because Jack colliers. Skellington
0: and, and the mayor are, are real characters, like, real Realistic, yeah. The the bugs have to be real, too. Well, (laughs) Well,
2: honestly, though, that makes the... uh... Actually, that's an interesting point about Oogie Boogie, is that Oogie Boogie is the only recognizable folklore character in Halloween Town, isn't it? I mean, like, there's movie monsters, but they don't have names. Right. But the Boogeyman is a real, like, a known character. Mm hmm Like, Jack Skellington is totally made up. Mm.
0: Right. Yeah.
2: So it's kind of like maybe Halloween changed over time and Oogie used to be in charge. That's why they don't like each other.
0: Mm, that's interesting.
2: Maybe. Yeah, there is
1: definitely something there as a thing. He he didn't seem to be totally involved in the Halloween process. So, mm-hmm. right, uh, Mandy, I know you didn't enjoy this as much as I think you wanted to. But were there things that you did enjoy? Favorite things in this that you particularly liked?
0: My f- three favorite things are all lines from Jack. Okay, oddly enough. And, and it should not surprise you at all when I tell you what they are. The, the first one just kind of gave me the warm fuzzies. When he he's really depressed, he's down in the dumps, you know, he's in the throes of this midlife crisis, and he stumbles into Christmas Town. And one of the lines in the song is that this empty place inside of me is filling up. And that just gives me warm fuzzies. Like, it was such a nice, I don't know, it's such a nice, rendition or God, I don't know the word that I'm looking for but it's it's just a nice way to show happiness or contentedness contrasted so much with how unhappy he was just moments before so I really like that line and then he comes back to Halloween town and he has this line Christmas time is buzzing in my skull and I'm sorry if that doesn't describe me I don't know what does that's just me Christmas is always in my head and then he had, right before, I guess this was right after he got all dressed up in the Santa suit and he's getting ready to leave, he shouts, it's Christmas time. And he's trying to do it in this, like, deep, wonderful Santa voice, but he just can't. And it comes out with this, like, Halloween creepy cackle at the end of it. And it just cracked me up.
2: It's Christmas time!
0: <laughs> and I really liked it. <laughs> i mean it's pretty great to to do it's christmas time with a cackle yeah. you know like they just don't go together but they did here mm-hmm. yeah the, those were the best things that i could come up with
1: yeah the the juxtaposition of halloween stuff with christmas stuff it, it is very nice and it is very funny things like the christmas lights on a spider's web it's it's good fun mm-hmm. it's also half the film <laughs> I could do with less of that. I think that's part of the thing is if it was like a 30-minute special, this could be really solid. There's a lot of like repeated gags and things, but there's Mm -hmm. a few times they do it and yeah, it works.
0: (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm. I love Jack with the lights in his eyes. (laughs) Yes. Like I know that's iconic and everyone puts that everywhere, but I do love it. (laughs) It's great.
1: Lauren, how about you? Would you say this is one of your favorite movies?
2: Um, I mean, it's definitely up there. I don't want to overwatch it, mm. but I listen to it a lot because I, I, you know, I have the soundtrack right. around and I love the songs. Is like that's my favorite part. Like I actually had to start thinking seriously about whether I love Tim Burton or I love Danny Elfman. Right. When I was trying to come up with mm. <laughs> my favorite things about this, because, cause other stuff that Danny Elfman has done, especially when he writes music, um, I or when he writes uh music with lyrics, other films that have that. Mm. I, Okay. adore what he's done with them. The The songs in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory are the best thing about that movie, and using Dahl's original poetry is inspired. Anyway, because <laughs> um, I love Charlie and Chocolate Factory, the book, the movie has some issues. But,
1: uh, <laughs> it's got Jenny Depp in it. I probably like that movie
2: better than most people like that movie who grew up with Willy Wonka. Okay. Right. Yeah. But that's kind of a digression. Right. But I, All the music in this I love. And also, like, the the way that they did the stop motion like the level of detail like i noticed yesterday jack pulls the hat off of santa's head and the brim bounces up and down that weighted like fuzzy brim and I'm like, how do you even do that with stop motion like very
0: carefully and very painstakingly
2: yeah like that's fantastic like i mean and this is the first it's not the first like feature length stop motion i actually found out there's one that was russian that was done way okay. earlier but it was the first one in America, and I think that it really – I don't know, I just love – I love that art form and, like, the, the thought of everything that goes into, you know, the, the extreme attention to detail mm-hmm. and care and the way that it shows in the backgrounds, like, visually, I just adore this movie. And and I think I like this one even more than some of the more modern ones because the – I find it so charming, the way that it's a little bit imperfect. Like, I went on and watched Corpse Bride, um, because I was sort of in a mood for some stop-motion Tim Burton. And I really, really really like Corpse Bride, too, but Corpse Bride is so much cleaner Mm. than this is that I found myself like, oh, I actually kind of liked that sort of slightly with a fingerprint on it aesthetic of of the puppets from this movie.
1: Yeah, it's not many, many shots for movement. So many many frames of movement to make it really smooth. There are times it's jerking, there's times it. But the like like you say, the style, the aesthetic of it is so strong. I mean, it's it is what has supported this film for many many years, and made it so popular that mm-hmm. it stands out so well. It, it all comes together very nicely.
2: There's little hints of like you know, like I said, other kinds of art, like Jack flying across the moon. That's like every Nightmare Night Before Christmas. I almost said Nightmare Before Christmas ever. <laughs> <laughs> book and when he's in the graveyard and he's sitting in the statue and like falls over backwards like the Pietà statue mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of Jesus and Mary's arms, like I just I love the way these characters the the movie looks mm-hmm. and that's honestly I'm so enchanted with that that it goes along it goes a, some of the way towards like I don't care that there's not as much story as Mandy mm-hmm. wants I just want to look at them. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I I think that makes sense, because when, when you found out I didn't like it, your immediate concern was that I didn't like the way that it looked. Like, that's instantly mm-hmm. where you went, because it sounds like that's what you go to this movie for.
2: It might be. I mean, I definitely do like the characters. I don't think I would love it as much if I didn't also find the story compelling. Mm-hmm. But I think also that, that wanting to see what it looks like, or wanting to see the, the visuals of it, mm. has led me to watch it enough to see the little details that, like, for example, bring the romance out that are completely unspoken Mm. which if you're not watching carefully it's very easy to miss
0: right
1: yeah definitely the the time that i saw it in the cinema and certainly seeing it in 3d even now in 2d there are shots you go oh yeah that's good in 3d it it, when you see it writ large on the screen and and it's got your your focus it is really good and and then the music takes you through it the music does some excellent stuff
0: Mm mm-hmm Yeah, so speaking of the music, Matthew, why don't you tell us about your favorite part? Uh,
1: So yeah, you you both might want to just go off and make a cup of tea, because I'm going to talk about what's this. (laughs) We're going to come to the Christmas of it in a minute. I, I said earlier how this is a film about depression. I mean, it's not. It sort of doesn't follow through on that, but it does have this whole thing of... He is depressed, but he's putting on a jolly face for everyone else. Well done, everyone. It's only a year. We did it. It was so good. And then he slinks off and he's really down, but he still tries to keep it positive for everyone. And then he, he just has no one to speak to, no one he can talk to. And he discovers Christmas, discovers Christmas down. It's something different and interesting. And he does go wild on it. It's just an utter obsession for him to the... Not ruination of everything else, but but to completely ignoring everything that he could be focusing on, should be focusing on, and the damage that his obsession is doing to the world as he goes and puts out Christmas. And then because it's not a film about depression, his learning thing is not about accepting his depression and how he gets over it and so on. It's just, oh, I've learned something by getting through something new and now I'm reinvigorated for uh, Halloween next year. But as a demonstration of how excited he is, how this... Sudden colour in the world and sudden things he's never seen before. What's this? Does it perfectly? Through the lyrics, it obviously does a lot of interesting stuff of his distraction. His oh, it's beautiful, the children are sleeping. (gasps) What's this? And he's just, you know, going around everything. He can't focus on one thing at at once. But the song itself in the music, it does that. It starts off with a very nice kind of... syncopated beat that then gets faster and faster during to, towards the end of some of the verses and the choruses and then he goes back into the normal beat and then he gets faster and faster again a bit later Right, and then when you get to the end the line that you said Mandy where he where talks about the empty place inside of me is filling up And where previously you've got a couple of lines that are faster, more lyrics, just done really rapidly. It's just repeated so often that I simply cannot get enough. I want it. Oh, I want it. I want it for my own. I've got to know. I've got to know. And it just, it keeps coming because he's so overexcited by this point. And then because it's a song, it's a wonderful climax of a song. It's just, it's beautiful. It's, that is how you end a song.
2: With Jack being greedy. I want it for my own. Yeah,
1: exactly. He's just, oh, wow, this is amazing. (laughs) How do I get more of this? And then it's about Christmas. Like, as a song, it is about all the things that make Christmas good. Again, from a sort of childish perspective, but so many different things about, uh, again, literally the sights, the sounds, um, the, the sweet pies and things that are being cooked everywhere, putting up decorations. It's all just him finding all the niceness of the season. they getting to spend time together, getting to spend time with family. And it's written really well. There's There's some... I mean, he is gushing about Christmas at this point. But just the phrases they use about the kiss. wait that looks so unique. Inspired. Like, those are not words you use in a song. <laughs> you do not call a kiss unique and inspired.
0: <laughs> you do if you're Danny Elfman. Well, absolutely.
1: <laughs> so, like, it is a really good Christmas song. And I, I would say it is one of my favorite Christmas songs. And then in 2006, they re-released this as a special edition. I think, Mandy, like you said, it came out as part of the Disney brand at that point, probably. Mm -hmm. And they did a special edition of the soundtrack. And they got some bands who were kind of into the aesthetics come along and do some of the songs. So they had Marilyn Manson. I think Korn worked on one. Oh, my God.
2: I love that This Is Halloween It's amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah, Marilyn Manson's "This Is Halloween." Is that's the al- That's the version of the album that right. I have. Is that 2006 one?
1: Um, Panic at the Disco work on one, so it's you know it's really cool. It's got the the bands putting their own style on top of things, which I love. I love to hear a cover done differently. And what's this is covered by one of my favorite bands of all time, Fall Out Boy. So it's the same song. It's the same pace and rhythm. It's the same excitement about Christmas. It's the same lyrics, but with some driving guitar. Um, in the background with the lead singer doing uh, a a massive range in his vocals because he hits a high pitch he then sings in a really fast pace and just the climax and build up to the end is wonderful just uh, going through to the end with him just being a
0: what is this
1: and done and it it is now a, a guaranteed Christmas song every year for me it is such a wonderful version of a wonderful, wonderful song
2: that's probably my second favorite cover on that album. I like the the Manson, This okay. is Halloween this is my favorite, but that one is really, really good.
1: I, I, this is Halloween is a good song, but I think, again, it sort of labors the point a little bit on the same stuff, whereas yeah, whereas okay. I like what this mm-hmm. sort of changes its inflections and changes what it's doing, as well as being part of the plot and telling us he's excited about this and he's learning about this and it's it's the character going through something. Which...
2: no, no no, I understand liking what is this the song better, but I think I like the other the, cover the
1: version better. Answer, yeah, but, yeah
2: yeah but I but I just maybe don't like Fall Out boy as much okay. as I do I... I mean not that I don't like them um, they're fine, but no I, I agree it's a really, really good song
1: he he did a cover for another similar album. Rob Zombie put together lots of bands doing covers of Ramones tracks, and Marilyn <laughs> Manson does a song on there as well, which again is in his own style. and it's really creepy and a bit weird and that is a great covers album. So that's what's what's this. Um, thank you for coming to my TED Talk.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we have covered a lot of information. Is there anything else that we need to say about the nightmare before Christmas?
2: So this might just be a random plot hole, but why don't the other holidays know about each other?
0: I don't know. Didn't it seem a little bit like Santa Claus was not surprised by Halloween?
2: I don't know. Like, Maybe just by the time we see him, he's got used to the idea. But I don't know. I like why is obviously the whole film doesn't work if you have Jack knowing mm-hmm. about how about Christmas Town. Right. You know, then you have a completely different movie about how it's a rivalry between them or something. But mm-hmm. but why don't they know? Well, I don't know. Maybe it's because I mean
0: they only go out into the real world, you know, one night. They spend three hundred and sixty-four days working for the next one. So maybe that's why.
2: Right, but they can get to the secular American holiday forest with apparent ease
0: (laughs) well I don't know Jack was gone long enough that they were worried that that he was missing so maybe Mm -hmm. no one ever just goes that far
1: Um, headcanon Father Christmas knows about Halloween because Christmas follows Halloween
2: assuming we leave out the
1: chicken holiday and and he knows about chicken holiday as well (laughs) Um,
2: (laughs) not talking about the chicken holiday
0: anymore (laughs) but
1: he would be very surprised we went to Valentine's Day Valentine's Town. He'd be like, "What's this? What's this? There's hearts and cuddles everywhere. I don't know."
2: <laughs> Wait, I thought I thought my color was red. Why is your color yeah. red? <laughs> hmm.
0: Yeah, I don't know. What? Because it's the only way the story works. That's mm. why. <laughs> yeah. What
1: do we think goes on in Chicken Holiday Town? Do you think they also have to deal with Black Friday and Cyber Monday as as part mm, of the holiday? Good. Do you think they're like? making chicken holiday, making chicken holiday with our discounts <laughs> and our cheap TVs.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I wonder though, since the turkey was on the door <laughs> since I know it's actually a turkey, is is there like a big turkey king of, of Thanksgiving? Exactly. Town? Do yeah. they eat tur but do they eat turkey in Thanksgiving town? Like, I well, think maybe happens? there's
2: a If there's a turkey king, that's like super dark because then he's sacrificing his own people every year for this holiday. Right.
0: Yeah. I I kind of yeah, I I think we need stories. I think the the Thanksgiving
2: King has to be a pilgrim. Like super stereotyped elementary school (laughs) pilgrim.
1: It's not just a giant hand. Otherwise
2: it's (laughs) otherwise it's just too dark. Yeah. Super dark. Also, how terrifying would the giant bird be? Mm-hmm.
0: Well, a giant turkey is probably more terrifying than a giant chicken.
2: Yeah, once you make them giant, does the size difference of the animals as they normally are really matter? I mean, okay, at that point, you've basically got T Rex either way.
0: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Okay.
1: Could one giant turkey defeat a hundred small Santa Clauses?
0: Uh... <laughs> okay, we have gone completely off the rails here. So. If you would like to join the conversation and answer Matthew's riddle, <laughs> <laughs> you can use the hashtag PCDeprived on Twitter. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at EloquentGushing. You can also send an email to podcast at eloquent gushing or leave us a voice message at speakpipe.com slash EloquentGushing. And you can find each of us on Twitter. I'm at Mandy Kay.
1: And I'm at Matthew Vose. Lauren, thank you so much for joining us. It was absolutely worth the wait having you on. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you for having me. And I'll be around if you want to argue with me about uh, whether it's a Christmas or a Halloween movie. I'm at Six Knits on Twitter.
1: Excellent. Pop Culture Deprived is 100% funded by listeners like you through Patreon. Anything you can give, even $1 a month, gives access to exclusive content and helps to support the network and develop new shows. Uh, to find out more, visit patreon.com. We'll
0: be back next week with another episode where we'll talk about Sunset Boulevard.
2: Until next time, I'm Mandy Kay.
1: This year, Christmas will be ours.
2: I was, ex- I was expecting, it's Christmas time!
0: <laughs> Pop Culturally Deprived is an Eloquent Gushing production. For more information, please visit eloquentgushing.com.